Hey, what's up? It's Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast, presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm your host today, Nudia. The guys are currently at the Beyond the Music Retreat. Shout out to everyone in Arizona right now. So we're bringing you another best of episode. This time, we're highlighting some of the best DJ producers we've ever had on the podcast. They have taken us behind the scenes, let us know what it was like to be inside the recording studio, and have shared some never-before-heard details. Details. This is the Best of the Road Podcast, Volume 4, Producer Stories. Kicking it off, we're heading into episode 152 with Little John, where he retells making two of the biggest Bay Area bangers. He recorded Blow the Whistle with Too Short and Tell Me When to Go with E40 in the same week. For any artist, when people start sampling you, that means like shit, like. I've been around for a while. I've been around long <laughs> enough for a motherfucker to sample me. That's you've yeah. been in the game a while. If your shit has peaked, gone away, and someone said, "I'm gonna sample that." Your yeah. songs never gone away, though. Those two songs never gone away. Yeah, right. Yeah, Freak a right. leak well, and blow the whistle still in rotation at the club every night. Blow the whistle definitely. Yeah, is, yeah. that's still yeah. a big song. Three West Coast. <laughs> go-to record. Definitely. So, I would say it might be the number one go-to record for West Coast. Maybe the number one. All time. Maybe. Yeah. Wow. And to be honest with y'all, when we did that record, so we did the beat. I, I was in the studio with E-40 when we I did this beat. So the same week I did Tell Me When To Go, I did Blow The Whistle. In Atlanta, in Stankonia Studios, which is Outcast Studios. So I was going through sounds and I found that bass sound. I was like, man, that sounds like Freaky Tales. I'm going to make something with that. Now, mind you, I don't know why I decided to go up-tempo with it. Mm. Maybe because I was doing all these 40 beats and everything we were doing was up-tempo slash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I decided to just make a beat with that. And so I did a beat with it, and I was like, oh, this is crazy. So Short ended up coming to the studio that week, and I was like, yo, I got something for you. Got something for you. Wow. Ready to be? He was like, "Bet, let me get that." So I gave it to him, and um, he he took it back to his studio and laid the vocals. And when he finished it, I was like, "Yeah, this is it. This is it." Because it was just baseline and drum. I was like, "Yeah, this is all we need." Boom, boom, boom. And he was like, "No, man, we need some music on there. We need some keyboards. We need put a guitar or something in there." I was like, "No." So me and him <laughs> about this goddamn song. I was like, and then I came. I was like, "All right, all right." So we added some keyboards and other shit. And when we're done, done, I'm like, you know, we got, well, when it's time for it to come out, tell me when the go is fucking going insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are ghost riding the whip in Iowa and shit. Middle America <laughs> ghost riding the whip. So when I hear blow the whistle, I'm like, nah, this ain't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I didn't know about that one either. Yeah. I was like, eh. And here we are today. That's when it has outlasted. Tell me when to go. Yeah, yeah. bigger than tell me yeah. when to go. At the end of the day, but I didn't get it. I didn't think it was it at first. Like I said, because the energy of tell me when to go and the way it was, I just thought that one's gonna be bigger, yeah. like in the long run. But I was wrong. So and you produce you produce tell me when to go and blow the whistle in the same week. In the same week. Wow. Wow. And muscle cars. We muscle cars was on that album. We did that yeah. one that same week too. 
Wow. Damn. It's crazy because even when I'm DJing and people are like, yo, who produced that? I'm like, yo, that's John. Yeah. And they're like, what? No way. I'm like, bro, John produced Tell Me When To Go and Blow The Whistle. Like for me, I always thought it was amazing how you captured the sound of the city, mm-hmm. of the bay. Right. And for a well, person that's not from the city to do that, that's even more impressive. You know what I mean? Well, that just goes to like, as a producer, it's better for to be in a studio with an artist because their energy rubs off on you. Mm-hmm. You get the energy and that comes through the drum machine and through the keyboard and you make that. So mm-hmm. if, if I was just at home and I was just trying to do beats and send 40 to beat, I don't think we would have Tell Me When To Go. And the same with, with Blow The Whistle. I don't think we would have those yeah. because it was just the vibe. That was the vibe that was going on in the studio and the energy, all of that helped me to, to you know, that I just put that shit out through the drum machine. You you mm-hmm. mentioned in the interview that Tell Me When To Go, you made that beat in 10 minutes and then it was one of E-40's yeah. homies just... He was. I don't know if he was high on some shit. He just kept saying, "Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go." Yeah, right? like it was the end of the night in the session. Um, we had so funny story. Er, skip to earlier backwards earlier in the day. Yeah. So we like talking about you know. I think I had done muscle cars that day or something. And he was like, "40 was like, yo, we should put cheat the sneak on this." I know, no, we were talking about something. I was like, "Who's that Mexican dude?" They'd be like, "Tell me he was like, you talking about Keith? He ain't Mexican. <laughs> I don't know why I thought he was Mexican. I don't know. I thought his accent was Mexican. So he was like, no, that's Keith. He was like, let me call Keith and see where he at. And we'd try to get him to Atlanta. He called Keith. Keith was like, man, I'm in Atlanta. We were about to head to the airport to leave. He was like, man, fuck that. We're going to take care of y'all coming to the studio. Mm. So they end up coming to the studio. We do muscle cars. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like 5 in the morning. And I'm getting ready to leave. And, like, you know, niggas been in the studio. They've been drinking and puffing all day, all night. <laughs> and one of Keith's boys just came in the studio when I was packing up. He was like, tell me when they got. 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 I guess he might have been saying that because I was getting ready to leave. Tell me when they got. I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, I'm about to make a beat for that. And made the beat real quick. Wow. And then 40 came in, heard the shit, all the shit, laid the beat down. He wrote the rap real quick, mm. and he laid mm. the beat. And while he's in there rapping, I'm asking Keek, I'm like, yo, dude, has anybody used that? You know, y'all niggas say dumb all the time. Anybody use the dumb girls run DMC? They were like, mm-hmm. no. I was like, oh, shit. Went on the internet, found that shit, sampled it. So when 40 came out the booth, I was like, watch this shit. So he pushed play, um, tell me when to go. 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 Dumb, 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 dumb. Them niggas like to tore the studio up. <laughs> 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 you know how they niggas is. Them niggas is going crazy. In the <laughs> Bouncing off the walls. And we knew And so we finished the entire song. And then we went and ate breakfast at this landmark Atlanta spot called uh, the beautiful restaurant and just talked about what was about to happen. We wow. all knew that we were going to change the game with that song. We knew. Damn. Man. So, crazy. Next, we're heading into episode 177 with Salam Remy, where he talks about making the Fuji's nappy head remix and exactly how many times Lauren Hill re-recorded her verse. 
But there was a thing called the last check for Thanksgiving, where after Thanksgiving, you can't get a two-signer check out of the building. The signers have left the building. The budgets are now closed. <laughs> you ain't getting right no So when I did nappy heads for the Fuji's, it was the same thing. I was trying to get that last check before then. And I remember literally recording Remember We during Thanksgiving break. Um, and it was the same thing. It was just like, all right, y'all, all right, know what? I'll do this one. Cool. Send the money. It's so crazy. Like, all, all these songs were like from my childhood, like, you know, my early teenage years. They were like the soundtracks for the whole summer. You know, like yeah. Nappy Heads, the remix was the soundtrack for the whole summer. And it's like, mm-hmm. because of that remix, we went and we tried to buy the album for the Fugees, right? Which is Blunt in Reality. And we were like, yo, what? what is this? This is like a totally different group. <laughs> I was like, yeah. and I remember like, we was, I remember like when I bought it, we was tight. We was like, yo, like, what is this? Like this, like what, like what happened? Like, and then we got were kind of like, we felt like, yeah, we felt like we got, we were like, what's going on? Sure. When Nappy Heads, the remix came out, we bought the maxi single like three times because we just kept running it over and over and over throughout the summer. Mona Lisa, could I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, I wouldn't buy tickets Saturday. Hey, hey, hey. Round up the posse, Fuji coming around the way. I don't puff blood, so I always got my breath. Never had to battle with a bulletproof. And it would, it would, the tape would get fucked up. We'd buy another one. And we ran it so much that we could tell the differences in Lauryn Hill's vocal performance in the explicit version and the clean version. And it was one of the few times where we heard like different versions. I really heard that. Did y'all really yeah, notice that? I really noticed that because I, I watched the videos, another version on there too. What's the cool to do? The dirty version, the clean version, and the video all have three different vocals. Why did you? Why how did that? Why how did that happen? Because she's obsessive about her vocals. Oh, and wow. from jump, I remind her of how she did that all the time. That she would come back. Okay, we got to do an edit. Okay, we got to do an edit. Can I do my vocal over real quick since she's doing the edit? And then she come back and do her vocals over. She did her vocals for Fuji uh, She did her vocals for Fuji what? For an entire week. Oh, wow. oh shit. But that's just her always one. Can you put a little more bass? So she'd be this little, put a little more bass in my vocal. A little more bass, mm. a little more bass in my vocal. She always wanted to hear her vocal a certain way. And even now, I'll be like, you know what? You keep going want to do your records over. It's not the record. You want to do your vocals over. So it's out. Then it's out. And I'm not happy. You want to do your vocals over. That's just her. She will obsess over her vocals, but a lot of our superstars will obsess over their vocals. So. Because the video version was the best. It just sounded so, it, it was like... Honestly, I have to go back and listen to yeah. know it, but I knew it was different because I would just laugh about it all the time, but I've never really sat there and done it. So if you actually heard that back then, yeah. you're good. Because, <laughs> because in, in the dirty version, you would hear that kind of raspy, she was still trying to do that raspy flow from like the album, but then by the video version, you could tell she was kind of getting in her Lauren Hill, like the Lauren Hill that we know, she was getting in that bag because she was a little bit more effortless and smooth. And she wasn't trying to, 
change her voice like this and like make her voice like raspy. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lauren had that, like, she would try to change her raspy voice and stuff. And then by the time she got to the vocab remix, I, I feel like I was like, that's the Fuji's that we know. And then I, I I would listen to the original vocab and I was like, what is this? You got the vocab. I got the vocab. You got the vocab. You know, I got the vocab. You got the vocab. I got the vocab. Hey, yo, pass the mic so I can sort of, I got the gift of gab. Monkey see, monkey what? Because it was there was no drums and they were rhyming on it like they were onyx. Like, like it was you got like, the vocab, I got the vocab. <laughs> you hear this remix that was like so smooth and effortless, and they were like melodic, and you heard Lauren Hill singing for, for like some of the first times. You're like, holy shit! Hey yo, one two three, uh-huh. the crew is called refugees, and if you come for test the rap style. Stop the violence and just bring it on. Why yo? I, I want to know so many things. I don't know how to ask it. I think the process is what you're asking about. So yeah. the process was disarming them. Mm. Um, there's a thing that I do with I do with anybody really. If you know, because first of all, a lot of people might see me and never hear me speak. I might pop up and I'll be standing in the corner. And I'm like. So cool. But then once I start talking, you can't shut me up. It's a whole nother thing. Like, you know, <laughs> I could talk with my God when I was straight. And then somebody would be like, wow, okay. I think I didn't know if we had so much to say. Like, yeah, I understand what it is, but I don't say anything. So what I did was when I first met Wyclef, when I decided to do the remix, um, I played him the bells and the drums of Nappy Heads, but I put It Ain't Hard to Tell acapella and Jay Rue's Come Clean acapella on top of it. So he heard Nas and Jay Rue's flows over that beat. I was like, this is where we're going. He said, okay, that's the zone. All right, cool. So you want to front, huh? Um, it ain't hard to tell. I've heard trail. Um, then he came in. You want the battle swing? I bring. bring, bring, bring right. You want a battle swing? I bring. Commanding me like I was king. And all your dreams are right. The horror flick of Stephen King. Cling the fox on those in favor. Say ah. I got tired of the fat lady, so I sing to my own opera. This is where we're going with it. This is the mood. And then when I added the bass and put the pieces in, so that was Wyclef's. Like you know, I had him rhyme for 13 minutes, and then I went back and plucked. Like okay, this oh, is. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I wait now, glory. I will take different pieces of the whole rhyme. Like, I still have this own thing that he did. And, you know, he rhymed till the tape ran off the first time, and then we put it back on, then he rhymed him again, and we caught it right before the tape rolled off. So that's why it's not 14 minutes. It's like a seven-minute version, and oh, then a six-minute wow. So once he did that, and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, Mona Lisa, can I get a day Friday? Even, like, the beginning of Chiba Chiba Y'all, Mama Libra Y'all, rap was a sub, might be the last... If the rap was something, if rap was extinct, I'd be the last living dinosaur. That's what he said. And then I was like, she would she with y'all, and I'm gonna leave with y'all. Stop. Because mm. I understood, I made it for DJs. So it was like, you know. A cheaper, cheaper y'all, well, I'm a Libra y'all. A cheaper, cheaper y'all, well, I'm a Libra y'all. 
In episode 167, White Shadow comes on the podcast and clears up a number of rumors regarding him working with Lady Gaga, including a rumor that he stole beats from DJs for Gaga's tour. When you kind of started working with Gaga and you blew up and, you know, I heard you got like a $2 million check, but it, you and you were grinding on your way to that $2 million check when you first produced, uh, well, uh, let's, 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 let's put some background to this, you know, and yeah. I, I know you've heard this before, so I'm yeah. going to go through this as fast as I can, you know? So okay. basically you end up going on tour with Gaga, right? Uh, she, yeah. she needed someone to kind of DJ and, and, uh, in between sets and, and, and whatnot, right? You did that for two years? No, 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 no. Let me back up a little bit first. Okay. So, so when I was in, when I was in college, I used to DJ parties like everybody else, right? You go, right. you fucking throw parties, blah, blah. I turned my DJ, DJing parties in college to, to a club night that I used to run 2,000 people through the door every Thursday night in college. 2,000 people every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. $20 a head for the dudes and ladies for free, right? right? I took all that money and I owned a nightclub in Kalamazoo, Michigan when I was 23 years old. I took that money and moved to Chicago and bought not one, but two clubs, two fucking clubs in Chicago that I owned all by myself. One of them I bought for $125,000. The other one I bought for $200,000. And when I got out of them, I sold the one for one twenty-five for almost a million dollars. And I sold the other one for fucking $100,000 over and only because I had just bought it. And so when I started making music again, started DJing again, I already had money in the bank because I fucking busted my dick for for 10 years before that i was grinding mm -hmm. so it's like i was i was comfortable enough to go back to djing because i had a nest egg because there was a moment in that in that zone where you couldn't make more than 300 400 a night dj right, right? right unless you were unless you were like some fucking tiesto or, or carl cox motherfucker mm -hmm. so it was like for me i was an open format guy and there wasn't that much money in it so i was hustling you know what i'm saying so it's like finding that point when I went back to DJing, I already had a solid nest egg. And when I found this, the, Matt Williams did walk into Hyde, right? Yeah. I got Hyde because I was out there DJing with Stone. Stone didn't want to do Sunday nights at Hyde. I started doing Hyde by myself on Sundays. I was playing a little bit of weird shit. Matt came up and asked me to, um, I didn't even know he worked for Gaga. Like He just asked me to make him a tape of what I was playing. And so I made them, a, 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 when I say a tape, like I mixed something together on Ableton on my way back to Chicago or whatever, gave it to him. And he hit me like three months later and he said, yo, this is fucking fire. Can you send me like an hour of this? I sent him an hour of it, right? Like just me taking other, it wasn't my tracks. It was like a mixtape, right? right? So I, I sent him that. And then he hit me again. He was like, yo, this is fresh. I work for Lady Gaga. She's doing this show for Kanye West with Kanye West and this is before the Taylor Swift shit popped off. So like they were supposed to do a show together because neither one of them could fill a stadium at that point. Mm -hmm. And so they, they were doing the show together and they were looking for like a hip hop thing that moved into an electronic thing. And that's basically what I did at Hyde. I played fucking mob deep and then I played fucking justice. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it was like, it was like, it was like a weird mix of shit because I'm a weird fuck. So like when, when, when he got it, he was like, um, we want to use these songs for the interludes for the show. And so but we can't pay you for it. And I said, well, I wasn't expecting to get paid. I didn't know this is what you're using for. I just gave you the mixtapes. So they had to go clear all those songs. They had to pay for those songs from those artists mm. for, for, the, for the show, just like it's a big show. They kept, I, back up. 
they kicked Kanye off after the Taylor Swift thing. So then Gaga got big enough to do it on her own. So they used those mixtapes <laughs> that wait, I did. Wait, wait. wait, so they kicked Kanye off because of that Taylor yeah. Swift shit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that yeah. too. Yeah. Wow. So he, he, he roughed up Taylor Swift at the BMAs or whatever the fuck yeah, was. Yeah, I remember Grammys. that, yeah. And, and then and then they were like, oh, we're not we're not putting them on the show anymore. And coincidentally, Gaga was big enough to carry it on her own at that time. So they ended up using these mixtapes that I did. And they, there was like a style of eye remix in there and some other shit. I don't even know what was in there. But they got to go back to those artists and use those things, whatever. And here's the kicker of that. They paid another dude to $250,000 to do that job scoring those videos. And I made $0 of it. He already wow. got paid. I didn't make shit. So like... So that, because of that, they said to me, next time we got a chance to fucking put you on, we're going to try and put you on. And mm-hmm. so when she started working on Born This Way, Matt called me and said she's working on this record. Okay. Send us the beats. And so I and a couple of friends sat around and made beats for two weeks straight. Boom, boom, boom. I gave her some shit that I already had. We made some new shit. And, and two days later, she called me. So... I wasn't the only producer that she called. I wasn't one probably of a hundred. I mean, she was she was re- getting really big at that point, so she had picked up the litter. Mm-hmm. So out of the tracks I sent her, she recorded three songs to it before I even met her. And then when we met, you know, she asked me if I'd keep going. So it wasn't like, you know, I stole a fucking mix from DJ Neva and, and all of a sudden I'm fucking getting a check for $2 million. It was, right, right, it was right. a long period. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, no, no, don't um, cry. Don't cry. Don't I know. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but they will come. Yeah, they will come, King. So so there's a long, there's a long gestation period in right. there too. So, so, but then, but then the next thing yeah. is I got to say is that when they, when that day got picked up, when she was like, yo, um, come on tour, I had to cancel every residency I ever had. Like, my only money coming in at that point was DJ. Right. So I, I, could, I couldn't go to fucking people that are like in Milwaukee and in fucking LA and be like, yo, I'm going on tour with Lady Gaga. They would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You got to be here on Friday night. So, like, I had to quit DJing. I had to cut off every single penny that I was making. So, wait, I well, shut my face. Was your, yeah. You had like a nest egg from like the clubs and shit prior. Well, that's was, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what was I'm it saying. gone? So, was like, it gone or no? No, no, but I used every cent of that for the two and a half years I was on the road. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I got a fucking house. I got fucking kids and shit. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, wait, I got so wait, you had you had kids at this time? Yeah, bro. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like, I got to chip off. Like, you know, I'm paying for other people's shit too. I got a business like, I, like that I'm running. So like, I had money like going out, but zero money coming in because when you're out there making a record. They don't give you money, dog. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, you're working. If the record doesn't work, you don't get paid. So it was like two and a half years that I didn't get a check. So, like, I had to have enough money in the bank to get through those two years. Wow. So it's like, so it's not like, yeah, the way that the way that people can sit down and describe it, they can describe it however the fuck they want. But I was at war. You know, that whole time I was at fucking war. So, so it's not as easy as it, it quite gets summed up to be. You don't just steal a fucking mix from a, a wordplay mix from a DJ and next thing you're fucking winning a Grammy. That's a lot of dick sucking. Damn, these fucking rumors, man. Uh, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying like there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area between those two points, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? In episode 154, Scram Jones talks about opportunity and loyalty being the two most important things when being a producer. But he also describes an awkward incident where he gave Fabulous 
and Jim Jones the same beat. Have rappers always looked at beats? Like, do they understand how the process of how much time and work it takes to make a beat? Or do they kind of see it as very disposable and even more so now? Like, like just beats and shit. I mean, rappers probably do look at, I don't want to, you know, generalize, but yeah. they definitely, the way they act is they're disposable because the second they record it, they're ready to, you know, throw it out right. and onto the next, you know what I mean? And only... You know, so and there's so many new producers and so many cheat codes that like, listen, like I keep talking about my son because he just started. This was the most miraculous shit not to get all old. Uh, but mm. my son started making I have a 12 year old and he just started making beats. Nice. Like over quarantine, but like taught himself on the FL and they're coming out super fire. And he's teaching me shit wow. like VSDs and plugins, like all this nerd shit. So that was a. <laughs> So it's just it's just crazy. Um, but also, what I was gonna say is how fast these kids make them. Mm. Like he's like, look at he puts me on YouTube. He said, look at this kid that made ten beats in ten minutes. And I'm watching this kid with the fruit, the FL, boom, 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 light some things up, beat done. Next one, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, this is why they're disposable because you could make them in a minute. Right. Because he, like, there's all these like cheat codes. I'm not knocking those producers, but but it's like um, when artists see that type of you know a beat being made in a couple of minutes, they're not you know what I mean. They're not gonna value it. Like if you sit there and spend freaking you know bring musicians over and try to like really take your time it's, it's funny you said that you were you've been like your son's been making beats and shit because we just had little john and little john's like newest song with yin yang twins he was producing with his son so that's like some you know it's like some yeah, ironic shit that you I, I, i'll tell you a crazy story yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a fucked up story i shouldn't <laughs> this may this may be one that i'm not you know i'm not a hundred with but um that if we're gonna, but basically, so I'm the first beat I made with my son. Yeah, I, I I'll just say what it was. I took the groove theory to tell me, right? Mm -hmm. You tell me what you know. I flipped yeah. that, and I was doing the drums. He said, "Dad, let me throw it on FL, make it even harder, and let me show you some of these plugins and VSTs, whatever." He hooks it up. Um, right away, I throw a fab. I send it to Fab. Right now, Fab is like a hit or miss. Like you may just get crickets. You know what I mean? So like. I sent him to him and I was going to go to sleep like 1.30 and then Jim hit me up like, yo, jump in the Zoom session. You got any, any new beats? Let's finish this project type of thing. So yeah. I was like, fuck, I got this this new beat I'm excited about. Let me play it. So played it for him. He loved it. He recorded the whole song. And the next day at 10 a.m. I get the email from Fab like, yo, I need that record. And Jim had just recorded it. <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh God. So I was like, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah. So um. So what do you do in that case? What do you do? What do you do? Jim... What would you do? <laughs> what did you do? Though? Well, you, well, you just talked about opportunity and loyalty. So loyalty. Which, which one? Right. Yeah. So that being said, first I had to check the temperature with Jim. So I hit him up. I had to hit him like, yo, you know, I sent this beat first to, to Fab. You know, I didn't expect to go on a Zoom on a late night, you know, but, you know, blah, blah. He's just like, scram. That song is done. Like, I spent <laughs> Like, I was up till 7 a.m. fixing that. He's like, I don't stay with one beat for that long. I stay till 7 a.m. Even when you left the Zoom session, getting it right. Like, you can't do that to me type shit. I said, all right, it's yours, bro. It's yours. But but it was just crazy having a dub fab on the email like, yo, sorry. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. But um, so these are like behind the scenes stories. But yeah. it's funny. My son's always like, look, the first beat you do on FL, they fighting over it. You got to, you know, you got to cross over to the, to the Fruity Loops, dad. Next up, we have episode 97 with Belly Fell, where he talks about his hit single, Get Buck In Here. And he describes how he got Diddy, Luda, Akon, and Little John all on the same track. But the record itself came about because I had a bunch of beats. Um, I was in Vegas. Uh, I knew Akon. I had helped break uh, one of his records, and him and I just kind of hit it off. And, 
we had kept in contact um, for for you know a couple of years, and he says uh, he hit me and said, "Hey, I'm gonna be in Vegas." I said, "You know, I'm gonna be." In, I, I told him I was gonna be in Vegas. He said, "I'm actually gonna be there that weekend." I was DJing a club, and he says, uh, "Come fuck with me. I got I'm gonna be in the studio." So I came. Um, he wanted me to play some beats. Played a bunch of beats. And he just had the stone face, <laughs> like, nope, nope, nope. And play another beat, nope. And uh, he said, hey, man, you played a beat for me in L.A. a few months ago. And he, he said it was like an electronic-sounding beat. And blah, blah, blah. I started thinking electronic sound. I said, I don't, think I, I don't have too many beats like that. So I played, dan, 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 and he was like, that's it. And it, it was just instrumental. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he said, that shit is crazy, Fell. I'll never forget. And he, he went in the booth and laid that hook. Like, yeah. literally that moment. So he came up with the hook. In Vegas. And from the time he heard the record until the time the hook was done, it wasn't even 45 minutes. Wow. Damn. He started writing right then and there. He started writing that hook. And, and he, was, he would turn it up and he'd you know, mouth it. He wasn't behind the mic yet. He was just in, the, in front of the console. And uh, to the point where I was like, I told my boys that were with me, let's, let's get out, you know. And so we left him alone, went out, got some food in the um, lobby. And um, one of his guys came. He said, yo, Khan's looking for you. And we come in there, and he goes, you ready for this? And he tells the engineer, turn that shit up. And he, damn, we better get Buck in here. And I was just like, oh, shit. This shit is crazy. <laughs> I owe so much to Akon. He, he, he pinpointed the, the record. Mm-hmm. The instrumental, and he did the hook. Like he was a real, uh, no pun intended, very instrumental. And <laughs> <laughs> but I had at that point, I had um, Akon on the hook. Got back to uh, L.A. and I was like, you know, um, I I I think I had just hung out with Diddy not too long before that. He invited me. Um, <laughs> that's another crazy story. But it, it was actually he invited me to this house in Beverly Hills. It ended up being Naomi Campbell's house. And I was there all night hanging out with him with the owner of Ralph's grocery store. <laughs> some other, like, older white dude. It's like the weirdest combination of people. Some light-skinned black woman answered the door with an English accent. Mm-hmm. I hung out with him all night. My girl came with me. Diddy and I, we just sat. We were having a conversation with some other, like I said, gentlemen. I didn't know who the fuck they were. It was a weird crowd. Mm-hmm. And left. And my, I tell my girl, we're driving, driving back to Burbank from Beverly Hills. And I was like, that's crazy. We were hanging out with Diddy with the owner of Ralph's and so and so. And she's like, Yeah, at Naomi Campbell's house. And I was like, What? She goes, You didn't know that was Naomi Campbell that let us in the fucking house. But I had just had that experience with Diddy. <laughs> and now I got this record. So he was on my mind. So I was yeah. like, You know what? Diddy would kill this. It's been a minute. It was a, I, as a DJ, and I think all of us um, in this room probably possess this. You kind of know. When it's like, man, I'd love to hear somebody on this or this person been gone yeah. for just enough time, but they're not irrelevant. Well, that was where Diddy was at in his career. And I remember thinking, I want to put people on this record that's different. The combination, I want it to be, you know, you want it, you want some fire mm-hmm. features, yeah. but that aren't typical. Like, oh, I've heard that's been there. So I, I hit him up and say, hey, I got this record. And he said, send it to me. I'm in New York. Um, sent it to me. I sent it to him, and he hits me back. He's like, "Yo, this shit's crazy." 
And I said, dog, if you like it, man, just hit that verse. And he was at daddy's daddy's house. I think it was um, the studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and two days later, I get three verses. Wow. There's a third verse that, you know, I have that never used. Um, and I remember being uncomfortable, like, oh, shit. Like, how do I tell Diddy that... I don't I'm not gonna I don't need three because I already had this plan in my head of like I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get Luda, you know. And so I told him I said, "Hey man, this shit is crazy, um, but I really just need one verse." Yeah. And he's like, "Use whatever the fuck you want," mm-hmm. you know. And he he didn't he wasn't tripping at all, and you know he was you know um, anyway. So I, I picked what I thought were the two best verses. I I. That I picked what I thought was the best verse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then realized later, you know, I could actually use two verses. Luda sent it to him. Same thing. At this point, he heard he heard Akon's hook and um, and one Diddy verse. He laid his verse, and then at that point, I said, you know, I got I could actually use it. There's other verse. I decided it'd be dope to have Diddy on two verses and mm-hmm. use another verse. So I had Get Buck done, you know, 105 BPM. And when I was in, I was in a studio in Hollywood uh, and I was vibing to the record, kind of, kind of borderline getting into mixing it. You this, know. this is the part I want to hear about. I know. So, yeah, this, yeah, is, this, is, the, this is the, yeah. the interesting. Like, I want to know because that was one of the few records that I was like, damn, like he really did a second part <laughs> and slowed it. It was like really genius it was like some crazy shit i can't you know? i would thank you for that but i got it from somebody else so <laughs> they, they, there was a i'm sitting in the studio and i'm like man i want to do something different and as a dj i used to love transition records and there's very few of them out there that mm-hmm. naturally yeah. transition mm-hmm. but as djs we hear those and they're gems you know and one of them back in the day was a house record called um french kiss by yeah the, i think i was gonna say that yeah by little louis <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, were, you know they the, this record goes from like 122 to they, like the breaks down with the orgasm yeah slows exactly. down yeah. Felt like the, a good five yeah. three or four minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I remember thinking, like, oh, man, I always wanted to do something like that. And so I was like, fuck it. Let's experiment. So we slow the record down. I tell the engineer, I said, listen, how, I got to figure out how to do this to where, you know, it, it's got bite to it. Like, meaning it, it, it doesn't so gradually go into it to where it's soft, but it doesn't just immediately change tempos. I got to find that soft spot. And you got to remember, this was before... Now, you know, all the DJs who were doing the DJ City edits and the different yeah. DJ edits at different Ableton, places. You had HMC. all the, yeah. Yeah, they, you, now it's any, you just push a button, bam, it happens. But yeah. back then, it was still, uh, there, there was still unknown areas of how to do it really good. Uh, anyway, got it to the point where I'm like, yeah, I like that timing. Uh, it's not too long of a gap, you know. Um, so now I have this completed record with a 40-second instrumental at the end at 88 BPM. Mm-hmm. And I just said, fucking Lil John," mm-hmm. And John had just moved here. I had known John uh, for years uh, before I even moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, he had just moved out to, to L.A. I called him, and he was right up the hill at his, uh, at his place in Hollywood Hills. He used to live uh, by the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, hey, man, I got this song. Um, I said, I, I think you killed this shit. He's like, man, come over, man. We're in a hot tub. Man, we get fucked up. <laughs> so yeah. I come over there and um, playing the record, and he had his engineer turn on the 
fucking studio mm-hmm. and got in there and fucking did his part. <laughs> and I was just like, this shit is crazy. I was so fucking excited, man. You know, because I think at that point, that's when I knew, like, I, I, this is, this is, I got something this special. Going back to Miami in episode 112, Laz talks about his hit song, Move, Shake, Drop. He tells us exactly how much movie studios paid him to use the song and what he did when he couldn't get the Benny Benassi clearance for satisfaction. What's your biggest song? Was it the Pitbull? Uh, uh, Move, Shake, Drop nationally yeah. was probably the biggest record. But as far as regionally and the record that people know me for the most, um, Booty Wise was Esa Morena for sure. Esa but Morena, this one, really? this one was a big record. I remember when I played this for Flo. Shout out to the Diaz brothers who produced the track. Uh, I played it for Flo. And I'm like, yo, Flo, hey, man, I need you to jump on here and drop a verse for me real quick. He's like, yeah, lads, no problem. Cool. And boom, did the record. And all of a sudden, we're moving 60,000 units a week. Mm. And he's like, yo, this fucking record. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I, I knew the record was good, but. Damn. It just, yeah, that was, it and that was, was, a, that was a big record in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, was one of like, that was one of those records. See, like, not all my music you can play in places like Vegas. And yeah. Move, Shake, Drop yeah, was, was 128 BPM mixed in with everything that was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, and people came up with their own dance to it. Yeah, and Moshe Drop did amazing for me in the uh, in the movie world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm about to ask you that. Yeah, I played uh, a lot of movies. Uh, Fast and Furious? No, it wasn't Fast and Furious. Uh, it was oh shit. I'm trying to remember the name on the check. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Google it, please. Uh, it sounds like something that would be. In it was a yeah, dance yeah. movie. Yeah. It was a dance movie. Oh, like a uh, step oh, up. Oh, was it? Step, step, I think it was Step Up. Step was in. one of them. Yeah. Stomp the Yard, some shit, whatever the fuck, right? I don't know about Stomp the Yard. No, it, was it, was, it was a step-up movie, like yeah. the battle movie, uh-huh. where they battled each other. That yeah. was one of them. Then, then out of the blue, uh, they hit me with a, another request, a license request for another movie. I was like, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you go and you hear your shit in the movie. You're like, oh, shit. What, what, what did it license for, if you don't mind me asking? Like, Worldwide. Wow. How, how much was it? Ten grand. Ten grand. Was it Ten easy, grand up front. Easy A? Easy A. It that was shit a, was a big movie. Bro. It was an easy A as well. It was a, it was probably in about three or four different movies, and wow. it was one of those that it was you know cool as shit. Like okay, that, that you know that's like I said, the beauty of music is it's timeless. A song that was old, old, old. Somebody either flips it, redoes it, or a big company needs that song and they license that song and it's brand new again. That was that so. The Diaz brothers produced that, yeah. but it was kind of like a sample of uh, Satisfaction, right? At, at the first one we had, the original, had Satisfaction yeah, in it, yeah. Benny Benassi. Benny mm-hmm. Benassi, yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it was actually, you sampled the break. Was it? Exactly. But then. The remix, right? Well, here's what happened. The people from Benny Benassi came back and said, well, we want 100% of the publishing. Ooh, really? It's yeah. like, no, nah, dude, that ain't, that ain't flying like that. They were like, well, then you can't use it. Okay, no problem. So we just replayed something. Record was still huge. That was the original, man. And I was willing to pay. I was willing to pay, but that's, that's just abuse. Yeah. When you want 100% of something, come on. That's insane. This is right here. That was it. That was the sample. Yeah. 
Pit, we're gonna kill him with this one, dog. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? What? Pitbull, DJ Laz, Flow Rider. I wanna see you move, move, shake, shake, now drop. What your mama said, move, move, shake, shake, now drop. What your daddy said, move, move, shake, shake, now drop. What your sister said, move, move, shake, shake, now drop, 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 drop. <laughs> Yo, that shit was great. I'm going to need some drops when we... I'm I was just thinking that. I was like, damn, I need some new drops. Whatever, just dog. throw DJ Cricket in that chant, whatever you just I did. Right there. <laughs> I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to make that happen. So wait, wait. You would have given... What would you have given them? 50, 30%? 25, maybe? I was offering 25. I would have went as high as 30. Nice score. That was more than reasonable. I would have went as high as 30. And then they got nothing. They got nothing. Wow. Cause you but, just but see, but that, that ready? That just shows you don't be fucking greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't be fucking greedy. Because, yes, I loved it the way it sounded. Loved the way it sounded with satisfaction. But when they came back and they were like, no, we want 100. And we went into the studio and flipped it and made our own. And it didn't cost anything and the record still performed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Winning. Going back to episode 45 with Sadat X, he talks about how a check mix-up had Diddy take his song off of the Biggie album. You know what? Um, one of my favorite tracks that you did with Biggie, Come On. Come on. That was never put on the album. And I always wonder why the fuck Puff, Puff never put that shit on the album. I'll, I'll tell, tell you original. why. <laughs> tell him why. Right. Yo, listen. This was in the days of the label finagle. Right. Uh-huh. The, the label finagle would be like, they would finagle, like, you might do a song with somebody, and they pay you one time, and then they finagle it another check, but it goes to them. Understand? Mm-hmm. I, did a, I did a song. I did right. a song. Mm-hmm. They paid me. Yeah. A week, two later, I'm in the show. A check comes. It says, addressed to Derek Murphy. That's my name. Yeah. Derek Murphy. I said, well, hey, I must have did a good job. They're paying <laughs> me again. I take the check. I go to the bank. I cash the check. It was Puff's P- check. Puff, call, yeah, it was, <laughs> Puff calls me. Yo, did you get a check in the mail? I don't know what you're talking about. Man. Like, oh, oh, listen, hey, calls me again. It says that somebody cashed the check in your account. I said, son, and, and I told him, I was like, listen, Puff, man, you know I know you, man. We good. But it got to me. Yeah, you know, man. like, hey, he man, that's, hey, boy, that's like, that's roll of the dice. I won that one. They decided not to put it on the album because of that. Big was mad at that. Is that why? Yeah. That's why. Big was mad at that. I thought they didn't put it on the album because um, at the time. And it was a different beat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At the time when um, Puff, the original version of um, Ready to, what's the Biggie first album? Ready to Die. Ready to Die. die. It was like all hardcore. Right. But then Puff was like, yo, this is too hardcore. We need to put some more um, R&B. More radio radio shit. So I thought that's why they took that song off Whatever it was, Big was mad and then Puff was mad at me. But then it got finally got to a point like yo son like listen I know who you got running with you because he kept asking but you know who I got running with me yeah we be a spot so how, like we, 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 we can snap but if we snap it's gonna be worse but, but eventually it was it, the remix is put on the um the Biggie album right like, after death the, the, the remix the one the one that after he passed away that was the garbage ones, yeah. the remix was garbage yeah. it was it was horrible man. Biggie would not have coached yeah, it was whack as it, fuck it, it, it was by sort of the finesse version it was the hottest version of trash <laughs> imaginable to man wait which album was this 
Was that the Biggie Duets? The Born. Yeah. Born. Born Again. Born Again. Born Again. It was. No, actually, it was Duets. It was Duets. The Duets. The Biggie Duets. Exactly. If Big would have been alive, he wouldn't have coached. That was it. That was horrible, man. Wait, wait. 06? So, wait. If you had you given Puff that check. I might, it might would have been there, but I don't know. But like that was all I know. Was, was doing Stretch that Armstrong would play that song all the right, time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Puff really fucked with me too much after that. Either, <laughs> he didn't really fuck with me no more. He didn't have to. You, you know, know what, what I'm I, I, There's a story but, I heard about. Like this has to do with Grand Pooba and Puff in the studio doing um what's the four one one? Okay. Was there beef? I heard like Puff and Grand Pooba got into a fight. I, I never, I, I never heard of that one. But I know, and, and, and that's why he I know Booba smashed Mary and yeah. Puff smashed Mary. So maybe, maybe it was that was, yeah. and then that's why Biggie got on the remix and they never released the I could see original. That I, I Puff is petty that. like that. That that sounds Puff is petty. Really? He's petty like that. I can see that happen. It was on porn again, by the way. And say, I can say, sir, I, I'm not gonna take, I'm not gonna go on that angle. I can listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen. <laughs> You know, and now that I give up, I just don't need no more beef right, right. now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so the wait, did you? Um, so you and Puff ever squash that shit or not really? Not really. And like, the wow. thing is, like, I never really seen Puff no more after that. Mm-hmm. Like, I would see him from afar. Like right, I did, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, it'd always be like a, the mad rush, entourage rush in and entourage out. I never really got. Yeah, face yeah. to face, like this close to him. How was it like uh, recording with Biggie in the studio? She was crazy. Spark was there. We we we, we, we had the best. We had we we, we had Mad Bottle. C's C's was there. We we, oh, we had Nino. a box of blunts, <laughs> and I I sat there and I wrote my shit. I wrote boom boom, wrote my shit. Big, I, I just seen Big Big would smoke smoking a million blunts. He never wrote shit. He was walking back and forth. He just mumbled to himself. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm ready. And he went in and did the show. So I was so really mad. never wrote nothing. Fuck. I was so mad when that song wasn't on the album. Yeah, that I shit was, was like, mean. Fuck, man. Are you serious? That shit was mean. Yeah. That shit was like 90s boom bap. Like, and the ill yeah. shit was, like, when we did that song, I had a copy of it. And one time, we was in D.C. And I had Regina with me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's when the song first came out. And she ran up on Biggie. And I told her, I said, yo, if you see Biggie, don't do it. Please don't do it. And she, oh, she ran was a vibe die. She ran up on him. Oh, yeah. I done been in like, Def Jam, like, and she done sparked it off with beef. Was she but, ran uh, up like, how come this wasn't on the album? She, no, she ran up on Big and was like, I got seven Mac 11s, about eight thirty-eight nine nine. I was like, why'd you do that, yo? <laughs> and, and Big was like, yo, you better marry her. Finally, in episode 13, the guys asked DJ Franzen how exactly he got a shout-out on Drake's song, The Motto. Franzen explains how he was there when the track was recorded. We need to hear that model story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the model story. So I'll never forget. It was 2011. Um, Drake comes out here for his birthday. I'm throwing him a private birthday party at the Palms. Um, you guys have been part of uh, part of many of those yeah. parties. Shout out to New, by the way, for being sponsors uh for many years, man. Nah, man. It's all many, love, many man. years. It's all love, We've had man. some good nah, times man. in that basketball suite. <laughs> so, anyways, Drake is here um, for his birthday, and he hits me up. He's like, "Yo, can I use the studio? I need to record a, I need to record a hook for Rick Ross." I'm like, "Yeah, cool." You know, this is when uh, Maul had the studio at the time, and he was like, "All right, I'm on my way." He came. We went to the studio, listened to a couple beats, and then he played. I was like, whoa, what the, what is this, bro? He's like, you like it? It's like, man, this is that 
this is like some Bay Area shit, bro. And this yeah. is this is around the time when I think was it Function? Function was Rack City was out. Yeah, Rack, Rack City. City you're yep. right. Rack City. Rack City Function. It it it, it was that. It faded. Was a lot. Mm-hmm. Faded. Faded. Like, yeah. It was like a couple of songs that was a hundred beats per mm-hmm. minute. Yeah. Mustard started popping. Yeah. Mustard started popping. Everybody it, thought it was a mustard it was perfect, beat. Right. It was yeah. the perfect time for like 100, 100 BPM yeah. shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It was actually a T minus beat. Shout out to T minus on that beat. Um, <coughs> and uh, he played it. He was like, "You like this?" It's like, bro, you got to use that right now, bro. And he didn't even trip off, like, pulling up the Rick Ross beat. And that Rick Ross beat ended up being Dice Pineapples. Wow. Oh. Remember Dice Pineapples? Yeah. So yeah. He, he recorded the motto, and I shit you not, man, he recorded that song in one take. That's, <laughs> that song is in one take. That whole song was in one take. Damn. He wrote it, like, I, I'll never forget, he still had his Blackberry at the time, right there by the board, playing the beat. He wrote it probably in like 10 minutes. The beat Jesus. was on like repeat. It was just looped. Did he have a verse or did Lil Wayne just come in and he, he knew he no, was No, he was like, he told me, I'm going to put Tunchi on this. I'm like, that'd be dope. When the album came out, that was the first time. Yeah. I, actually, no, 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 no. I'm lying. I'm lying. At his birthday party. Wait. Well, 2011, uh, Take Care came out and that was that's Yeah, it was that at. was on the Take in Care November. album. Yeah. No, 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 no. That verse wasn't on it because we played it at his birthday party. Wayne wasn't on it yet. Actually, my first time so hearing it. So it was still one verse. It was still one verse when we were playing it, and it, it wasn't mastered. It sounded like yeah. shit. It sounded like shit. <laughs> but um, uh, I didn't hear it until Wayne, until, uh, excuse me, until the album came out. That's when wow. I heard Wayne's So you heard verse. it recorded, and then you, f- you, f- you heard the finished product when it came out. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, crazy, man. Like That's a great know. story. Salute to that, man. Jesus. Yeah, Wayne, man. I think, <laughs> recorded that. Wayne recorded that in, in Miami, I believe. Uh, wow. Yeah. So that's yeah, a, that's how that whole 2011, I'll never forget that moment. That, was a, that, that song was recorded right here in Las Vegas. This has been the Best of the Road podcast, Producer Stories. I'm Nudia. It's been fun hanging out with you this week, but I know you probably miss the guys. I know. They'll be back next week with a brand new episode for you, so don't worry. Until then, we'll see you. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.